Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Um, We've been speaking a series of messages called Finish Strong. And I think there's no more appropriate message than connecting that with what happened this morning. As Pastor Sylvia and Brother Gary move on, we have to still continue to finish strong. Amen? Our children are worth it. And I've told you before that we will prioritize our children here at CWC. Our kids are not the church of the future. They are the church of today. Our kids are valuable. Amen? I'm going to have you, if you would, stand to your feet and just turn your Bibles very quickly this morning. Not going to be long, but I do have a word that I believe that if you have the ability to tune into this word, can shift your life, can begin to change your marriage, change your experience even at work. And if you turn your Bibles with me to the book of John. And as we put, pick up the story, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's gone through his life and he is now at the period where he's hanging on the cross suspended between heaven and earth by the very people that he's come to save. And as we pick up this word in John chapter 19, verse 28, it reads as follows. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, somebody say accomplished. I want you to know that you have a purpose on your life, that every one of you has an accomplishment that God created you for. Everything exists for a purpose and has a purpose. And so you have to know your what before you ask your why. You have to know why God created you. You have to know why God puts you on this earth. And when we recognize that, you will not question your what in life. Now, I want you to notice he says this. So after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled... He said, I thirst. And now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there and they filled it with the sponge. They filled a sponge with sour wine. They put hyssop on it and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I want to focus in on those three words, it is is finished. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As we talk about finish strong, there's two more months left in 2015. And many of us started off this year with resolutions of losing weight, getting closer to God, getting a stronger marriage, getting out of debt. And there were different things that we committed ourselves to at the beginning of 2015. And now we're 10 months into the year, and many of those resolutions have fallen to the wayside. A lot of the commitments we made, we forgot about. But I'm here to tell you right now that we have two months left, and so not all is lost. You still have an opportunity to finish strong. Come on, somebody say amen. In two months, you can accomplish a lot. In two months, you have the ability to do things that had never been done before. If you would just make a commitment, Jesus 
was a finisher. And I need you to understand that Jesus not only was a finisher, he started, he created all the world, but he was a finisher as well. In fact, I want you to understand that when Jesus said, it is finished, he wasn't saying, I am finished. He was saying, my job is finished. My, my, my purpose for coming to this earth is finished. And I need you to understand, Jesus knew exactly what the finish line was. Many of us don't finish strong because we don't have a clue what our finish line is. We're running after the wrong goals. We're pursuing the wrong things. And I need you to understand that every one of us wants the right things. Come on, somebody. Every one of us wants to get out of debt. Every one of us wants to have a nice life. Every one of us wants to be out of, uh, break free from addictions. Every one of us wants to get rid of depression. Every one of us wants a strong family. We want a, a great job or a great business. The problem is, is that we get distracted. And so we start right, but we end up getting off track in that goal that we're running to, that finish line. What was it that made Jesus a strong finisher? What was it about him that gave him the ability to finish strong? What is it about you, the difference between us and Jesus, that keeps us from finishing strong? I got one word for you. It's called priorities. Priorities. Let me explain it to you for a moment. Look, look at Luke chapter 22, verse 44. I'm laying a foundation, so stay with me, all right? Check, check this out. Luke chapter 22, verse 44 says this. Father, if it's your, if it's your, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but be done. So Jesus was focused in on the what? The will of God. He came to fulfill the, look, look at the next verse here in Hebrews 10, 17, or 10, 7. Then he said, behold, I have come into your volume of your book. It is written of me to do your. So Jesus is looking, is, is referring and recognizing he came to do what? Fulfill the will of his father. Look at t John 10, 30. I can do nothing of myself. I can do nothing. I do not seek my own. I do not seek my own. Come on, stay with me. You got an extra hour sleep last night. All right? At least some of you did. You just, some of you just went to bed, uh, bed an hour later, right? And he said this. He says, I did not come to seek my own will, but to do the of my Father who sent me. I need you to understand that Jesus understood that the primary focus of his life was God's will. Everything Jesus did was based on the will of God. Everything Jesus did, his primary focus was the will of God. That's why Jesus' life counted and made such a big difference. The problem is we get distracted. We start off after the right thing but end up on a wrong path. Because we get distracted by the lights, by the uh, other pursuits in life. What am I telling you? Let, let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to step on some toes this morning. I didn't come to tickle your ear this morning. I didn't come to tell you you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. I came here to challenge you. My job as your pastor isn't to tickle your ears and to make you laugh. I'm here to let you know something, and you need to understand you cannot call yourself a follower of Christ if you're following after your own things. You cannot say that you are a follower of Christ when you are seeking after your own pursuits. You cannot say that you are a follower of Christ when you're not following him. 
And many times we follow after other things, the pleasures in life. We're following after fame. We're following after fortune. We're following after relationships. We're following after things. We're following after stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. But when they come before God, we got an issue. I'm taking you somewhere. I'm laying a foundation. Everything I'm saying is scriptural. So if you get mad, don't get mad at me. Get mad at the book. Get mad at the one that wrote the book. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, look at what Jesus says. Jesus says this. In this manner, therefore, pray. The disciples tell him, teach us to pray. So Jesus says, listen, I'm going to help you get yourselves in tune. When we pray, it's not getting God to come into agreement with us. It's about us coming into agreement with him. And many times we use God as a genie. And we use our prayer time just to try to get God to do what we want him to do. Even if it's outside his will. But Jesus says, when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your be done on earth as it is in heaven. What Jesus worked at was submitting himself under the will of his Father so that he could make the environment of earth look like heaven. Let me ask you, if you were to submit your will to God, how much more like heaven would your family look like? How much more would your marriage look like heaven? Some of our marriages and our families look more like hell than they do like heaven. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. You know when you're cussing at your wife? Yeah, Christian man. You know Christian wife, when you get mad and throw that pan and you curse them out? You're like, oh, pastor, were you in our kitchen this morning? It's because we put our own pursuits over the pursuits of God. And if we would begin to change our priorities, Jesus is saying this, listen, you're asking me how to pray. I'm trying to get you in mind with me. I'm trying to get you in line with me. I put the will of my Father first, and if you would put the will of my Father first, you would be able to transform your world like I did mine. Let me take you somewhere. Everyone say priorities. Jesus had to tell us what our our pursuits should be. You know why? Jesus had to tell us what our pursuits should be because man's priorities have gotten off whack. They've gotten off kilter. We're pursuing the wrong things. Now, let me explain. Our priorities have changed. Now, in in a moment, I'm going to take you to a scripture. I want you to look at this. uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. When you're there, say amen. You should say amen because it's on the screen for you, okay? Come on, everyone say amen. amen. Look at this, Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Oh, you've heard this scripture before, right? Some of you are already finishing it off in your mind. See, we know scripture. It's not a matter of knowing it. It's a matter of doing it. But... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me, let me take you somewhere. Man was wired to pursue. Do you understand that? Every one of us, every, every, in our DNA, we are wired to pursue things. That's why at work you seek hard to get promotions. That's why, husband, you sought your wife. Yeah, you remember that, Hector. You tried to date her. She said, no, you still went after her. You, you pursued. 
You remember that? You saw her? You were like, I'm a, she said, no, she acted like she played hard, hard to get. You pursued her. Because it's in our DNA to pursue things. You see that car that you want, and all of a sudden, you start working, you start saving, and you go and pursue that thing. And so we are wired to pursue. Every one of us has it in our DNA to go after things. We have these pursuits in our life. We go after, we try to obtain, and so we work, we save, we go through these things and try to pursue things in life. Some of you are pursuing after a drug. You are so addicted, you go after that drug and you will come hell or high water. You will pursue until you get it. Because we know how to pursue. Come on, somebody. We all are running after something. My question to you this morning, what are you running after? Who are you running after? Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Look at this. Look at the first word, seek. Everyone say seek. That implies to go after something in order to obtain. And so I don't seek something not to obtain it. I don't just seek it to find it. Oh, there it is. Cool. To seek something is that what I'm trying to do is not only find it so that I can hold on to it, so that I can grab it, so that not just find it. We're not playing hide and seek. I found you and then walk away. Yet many of us in our Christian life, we just find God at one time in our life, but you haven't seen him since you accepted him. Seek one time. But do you understand that in the Greek, this word in the Greek literally is what they call the imperfect tense in the Greek. When it's written in the perfect tense, perfect tense means I find and it's a one-time thing. It's done. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom. That that word seek is in the imperfect tense, which means every day is a pursuit. Every moment you're pursuing. You don't pursue God just on Sunday. And then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you forget all about him. Baby, every 24-7, I'm seeking him. 24-7, we're going after him. 24-7, 365, we're running after the presence of God. To find the presence of God. To dwell in the presence of God. And you're wondering why your life is in the condition it is because you only look for them for one hour on Sunday morning. Jesus says, seek. Gee, God ain't something you do. I don't do Jesus. Do you understand that Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we can go to church? It's bigger than that. It's greater than that. That Jesus didn't die so we could have services. Jesus died so that God could be in you. Say it again, Pastor. God died on the cross so that he could dwell inside of you. I'm going to take you somewhere. Notice the second word here. To continually search. He says, seek ye first. Everyone say first. We're talking about priority here. We're talking about, this implies the priority of time, place, and order of importance. That God is first in my life. If God is second, then he's not first. He's not a priority. God has to be first. The kingdom must become our first pursuit. Look at the kingdom. That word kingdom means king domain. 
That word basilia in the Greek. That word basilia literally means this. It's a place where a king has full dominion. And so whatever the king wants, that thing is done within that realm. Do you understand that how would your marriage look if God had full reign and dominion in your family, in your home? See, some of you aren't getting this right now. You know why? Because when you think kingdom, you think church. Let me try this side. When you think kingdom, we think church. And when we talk about kingdom, if I have the kingdom of God, Jesus talked about the kingdom more than he talked about any other things. He talked about the kingdom, about bringing the kingdom. And he tells us to pray in this manner about the kingdom, the king domain. Everyone say that, king domain. It's the place where a king rules. Now, let me ask you this. When we talk about a king domain or a place where a king rules, if God is the king and he rules, what is God? Who is God? God is, finish the statement, God is, what was that? God is love. If we describe who God is, God is love. If the problem is when we talk about kingdom, we think about religion. We think about a church. We think about rules and regulations, people that we judge, people that we put down. We think about kingdom. We think about a rule with denomination. But I'm here to tell you something. When we talk about kingdom, it is the domain where God himself rules and reigns. And if God is love, that means love reigns. That means love overrules. That means the love of God overcomes and transforms. Imagine a place, how would your marriage, oh, listen, let let me break it down to you this way. How would your marriage look if love showed up all the time? How would your children look if love showed up all the time? Where God domain ruled. Are you following me? How would your job, your workplace look if God ruled at work? Do you understand that you, and the, now, now let me break this down. He says, and right, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. Now righteousness, there's a, there's a right standing that we have to have before God. There's a place that we stand before God. But what I love, it's not my righteousness, it's his. My righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. But my right, his righteousness literally means right standing. God just says, just get in the right place and I'll bless you. Just get in the right order and I'll pour out blessing. Just step in the right place. If you would just get it, you don't have to do anything. Just get in the right place. If you would step back in line, if you would put me as number one, if you would get back in the right order, you will see that I will pour out a blessing over your life. That means living God's way. That's what righteousness is all about. So when we talk about who is God, God is love. His rule, his reign, his principles, values, everything is founded on love. Now, how does that look like in 2015? Right now, in in this place, do you understand? Let, let, Let me put it to you this way. In the Old Testament, it was all about the Ark of the Covenant. For those of you that don't know, when Adam and Eve were created in the garden, Adam was created, God blew his breath into him. Adam then began to have the breath of God inside of him. He carried the presence of God in him. When God created Eve out of his side, Eve too had that same presence in her. 
Together, man and wife had the presence of God. They carried it inside them. When they sinned, the Holy Spirit withdrew. He couldn't dwell in in unclean vessels. So the Spirit of God withdrew. That's why when God came in the garden looking for them, he says, where are you? Normally, he was inside of them. Now he's looking for them, and they're hiding out. And what did they do to cover themselves? They take fig leaves to cover their nakedness. They use creation to cover their sin. Use creation to cover our our hurts. Our inability to be close to God. And we take creation to cover ourselves instead of allowing the creator to cover us. After that, as the time went on, God says, I want to be with man. I want to be with man again. So they created the tabernacle. They created the Ark of the Covenant. They built it according to pattern. And wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, the children of Israel operated around that Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, when they went into battle, the Ark of the Covenant went in first. That Ark of the Covenant was the very presence of God. Whenever the Ark came in, enemies got scared when the presence of God came in. That was the presence. That was the the, the recognition of the glory, the majesty, the power of God. But I want you to know that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, the Bible says that that Ark of the Covenant, the thing that was separated from us the veil was ripped from top to bottom that God was saying this I no longer want to dwell in a box I want to dwell inside the hearts of man the upper room on the day of Pentecost the wind of God blew into that place And it just dwelt in every single one of those believers, the presence of God. And now, wherever you go, you now are carriers of the presence of God. The enemies get scared when he sees a spirit-filled, a God-filled, a God-caring man or woman of God. What's the priority look like? Priority is to get filled up each and every day. And then when I go to work... I let the enemy know I'm bringing the Ark of the Covenant with me. I'm a carrier of the presence of God. That wherever I go, I'm bringing the presence of God. I want you to understand that you're not just saved from something. You're saved to something as well. God saved you for a purpose, not just to get you out of hell. What's that look like? Notice this, that God has complete rulership and authority over my life, my heart, my family, my resources, my abilities to expand his reign on the earth. Vivi, if you would help me. I want, how would your life look like? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to close right now. Stay with me. See, what you're looking for is a rah-rah message right now just to get you through the week. But I'm giving you something that will transform your life. That if you can learn how to allow the Spirit of God to fill you on a daily basis, you don't have to worry about surviving till next Sunday. You are a carrier of the presence of God wherever you go. 
that I don't have to wait till Sunday worship in order to get this filling up that I need. I can walk around under the power, the authority, the majesty of God. I can shift atmospheres. I can change climates. I can walk into a hospital room and bring the presence of heaven. I can walk into a jail cell and I can bring the presence. I have the ability to walk in to the middle of an argument and bring the peace of God. Why? Because I am a carrier of the presence of heaven. That's why he died. Not to have church. Not to have a service. It's bigger than that. The enemy don't mind us having church. As long as you have no presence with you. Have church all you want. Shout all you want. Get home from church and say, that was a great service, but do nothing until next week. Can't wait till church next Sunday. Can't wait till church next Sunday. But when you're a carrier, I am the church. I carry the presence. Stop. Church time. Monday, when you walk into that environment at work that just drives you crazy, stop. Heaven time. We spend so much time complaining about atmospheres rather than changing them. Yet you have the authority to change the atmosphere. What, what am I talking about here as I close? I want you to notice this. Lord, help me. Look, look at these scriptures. Before we even get to chapter 6, verse 33, I want you to notice these scriptures before. I apologize. It's kind of dark up there, but I want you. Verses 1 through 4 talk about our generosity, how we give. That when we give, that we shouldn't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. Verses 5 through 15 talk about our prayer life. And Jesus tells us how to pray. After that, he talks about our fasting. And then from there, he talks about uh, our treasure. Where our treasure is, there is our, our heart also. But then after that, he talks about worry. 25 through 31, he talks about worrying. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the clothes you wear. Don't worry about where you're going to live. Don't worry about those things. He says he's going on and on about all these things that we worry about. If I were to take a poll right now, every one of you, there's many of you in here that right now are worried about bills, you're worried about your work, you're worried about tomorrow, you're worried about your struggles, worried about your marriage. you got all kinds of things that are carrying and holding you down. You're worrying. Look what Jesus says in verse 32. For after all, someone say all. All these things do the Gentiles what? They're running after these things. The problem is the church is running after these things too. You know what the problem is? Notice here. He says, for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of these things. Listen, God knows your need. He knows you need to be fed. He knows you need clothing. He knows you need the house. He knows you need those things. God knows. But the problem is this, that is when we run after those things, you know what God does? God says this. Okay, that's not my way of doing it, but go ahead. Run after it. You take care of it. You let me know how that's working for you. 
You run after your healing. You run after your finances. You run after your tomorrow. You run after all those things. Just go ahead. And that's why we're always struggling. I'm not saying those things are wrong. God's not saying that these things are wrong. The problem is this, is that the world runs after those things. It's time for us to stop wasting our time, our energy, and our money running after things that are temporarily valued. Because when we run after these things, listen to me as I close. Troy, if you would help me. When we run after these things, we end up forfeiting the promises of God. When I run after these things to get them done, God says, go ahead, you do it. But when I prioritize God first, God takes care of it for me. God says, you put me first, I'll take care of those needs for you. Because I know you need all those things. Now, it doesn't mean I stay at home and do nothing. I still work. I still make sure that I'm doing the things I need to do. But when we place God first in the area of priority, now we have everything in line where God is now able to bless your efforts. And all of a sudden, the seed you drop in the ground starts growing. And it produces 30, 60, and 100-fold blessing. He says in verse 33, in all these things, someone say all. All these things shall be added unto you. Oh, come on, somebody. What's all mean? Every, I, I want you, when you get home, read chap, Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see what all includes. I want you to see what all includes. That if you would just change your life to prioritize God in your life. Because in order to finish strong, we got to know what the finish line is. Bow your heads with me this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm simply going to ask this. This isn't about coming to church. This is about prioritizing God on a daily basis. Making God your priority. And as you're here right now, you recognize that you need to make a change in prioritizing who God is in your life. And recognizing that God didn't die on the cross just so that we could have church. It's bigger than that. My call is simply this this morning. You want to be filled with the presence of God. You want to be a carrier of the presence of God this morning. You want to be one that carries the presence of God wherever you go you want to be one that's filled with the presence of God. That you would prioritize God and his presence right where you are. Would you just simply stand to your feet right now quickly. God bless you as you stand. I want you to lift your hands. Those of you that are standing right now just for a moment. Let's just develop the presence. Create your own atmosphere right now, right where you are. Come and meet me. I am waiting. Father, hear my one desire. Fill my hunger with your presence. Let your glory come. Love everlasting, 
now prioritize him over your tiredness, oh, over your weariness right now. Make I him a priority. Just want you more, Invite the presence of God more, right now in. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I just want Lord, we prioritize you this morning, God. Oh, Lord. Yes, Lord. I just want you more. More. I just want you. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.